Welcome to Editing Aloud with the panel of South Africa's top journalists. Um, guys, this week has been a disaster in terms of ESCOM history, which is not exactly unimpeachable as it is. Um, to start with Sekonati, who knows quite a bit about ESCOM, um, what actually happened? 4,000 megawatts shed from the national grid. I mean, how serious is that? 4,000 megawatts is, is, is a big deal. Uh, the last time we had that amount of power being uh, cut off was in 2015, late 2014, early 2015, when ESCOM ran out of coal. Uh, and that doesn't mean South Africa ran out of coal, but just no one bothered to buy and bring mm. coal into the power stations. That's, that's what has happened this time around, except this time it's been going on for over two years. In addition, uh, the power stations are breaking left, right and center. And the, 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 the nastiest surprise is that it's the new power stations that are breaking down. Uh, at Midupi, we, have, we are supposed to have 2,400 megawatts coming from three generation units. They are operating at, a, at an average capacity of 60%. Uh, they are not reliable. And, and that's not even the all of the units at Midupi. Yes, uh, half the station is connected, but half of the half is only generating. So is this, is, this, is this a failure of the actual infrastructure they built or is it a long-term failure of planning? Is it a failure of um, coal purchasing? That, that's what happens when you get politicians to design power stations. So uh, no one is able to take up the ash from the coal they ban. And, and, and they are, you know, Hitachi and, and, and Alstom, uh, they, they, they failed even from the start. So ESCOM now admits that it's bad design and poor uh, implementation uh, or, or poor uh, uh, workmanship by, by these contractors. So that, that, that's, that, that's the thing. It's not like you can just fix it tomorrow. Hmm. I mean, Patrick Bulger, you, you, you saw Pravin Gordon's announcement on, on, on this. I mean, what did you make of it? I mean, his, his discussion of the, of the fact that we built these power stations and it, and it sounds like it's a wreck. Yeah, sometimes the best news comes in the... Uh, in uh, the most indistinguishable packaging. I mean, I thought for Pravin Gordon to announce yesterday, and, and, it, and it was hardly in the form of an announcement, it was an, a, a casual aside, that these stations, and I'm not blaming him directly in saying this, these stations are badly damaged, uh, sorry, badly designed and badly constructed. I mean, this, you know, it's in those few words that we are seeing the full, the, 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 the full spectre of, of really, of, of meltdown emerging here. To think that ESCOM has sat for years and years and years with the prices spiraling at these two stations and that no one, no one at any point has said, apparently there was some World Bank report some time ago warning about these stations. Mm. Um, but I mean, this is going down as probably one of our worst economic planning decisions, infrastructure decisions that this country has ever seen in its entire history. Absolutely. Jana, I mean, on this point, I mean, how does this happen? The politicians, this is really recently that it happened that we built Madupi and Kusile. How is it that we got it so wrong on that? I mean, did, did nobody see this? We, we always have Eskom disasters and then a thousand people afterwards saying I told you so. But why is it that at the time nobody said I told you so about this plan? I don't think I don't think that's fair to say. I think a lot of people warned at the time that you have a, a power utility that hasn't built new power stations in a decade, embarking on trying to build the two biggest power stations in the world at the same time. 
there were various other options on the table, but of course the kickbacks, the bigger the power station, the bigger the potential kickback. So I don't think it's fair to say nobody's been warning about this. Um, but I also, I don't think we should give Praveen Gordon or the existing management team an easy ride because mm. they've been there for at least a year. Now suddenly mm. they realize they don't have the right engineers. <laughs> they have to bring in people from outside. They've got 50,000 people there. How does it take a year to notice, oh, maybe we need to get some experts from outside because actually we don't know what we're doing. Yeah, so I think absolutely. that's very concerning. So, so if we were warned about this, which we were warned about this, why did nobody do anything about it? Why, why does nothing happen until we reach crisis point? I don't think I'm the right person to answer that. I mean, but that's, that's, that is the question, and it's not only at ESCOM. You see it everywhere else. You see it at the BIC, you see it at SARS. I mean, and I think, you know, at the NPA, we kind of watch these slow motion train accidents. You know, you see it coming, but nobody seems to have the power to stop it. Ron, I mean, your thoughts, why did we do nothing about this? I mean, how serious is it? I mean, how, how possible is it to fix this current scenario in the longer term so we don't have this in 10 years' time? I mean, the, ultimate, the fundamental question with ESCOM again, is its debt, right? And the servicing of that debt is what was led to the maintenance not being done on, or on everything. Right? They're behind by years on maintenance on most of their power stations. So until like, we deal with the debt issue, either government, however the solution is, that is the only time when ESCOM can maintain its actual uh, power stations, right? And so, the, so the issue with Medupi and Kusile, there was stuff about Hitachi about five years back about the, about the what was it, the the, the, the welding. So we had these things that this thing is not a perfect build, and of course it wouldn't be, right? ESCOM doesn't they built something on this nature it was decades, years and years ago. So, we, so the, these two builds were not going to come on seamlessly. We kind of in our back of our heads, we all kind of knew. These are our problem child. They'll take a while to be fully operational to our system. But what's happening in the meantime, there's 400, over 440 billion in debt, and they have to service this thing. And the, the one thing that's suffered from it is maintenance. And as the longer we go on not uh, finding a final solution to it and fighting over privatization, partial, or whatever the case may be, or government saying, they're going to continue to have to service that debt and less maintenance. It's almost, that's. That's what they juggle, and this period, that's how ESCOM will move until the, the stations kill over, right? And so, unless someone has big, almost on television, big balls enough to go and say, and lead and say, look, we're partially privatizing uh, uh, ESCOM. But in, in, a, in a sense, there is privatization in ESCOM already because of IPPs and generation and so on. So just have balls. Someone must do it, right? You can't sit there and listen to Julius Malema or, or all men of, and just... It's the only solution. There's nothing else before ESCOM, before balance sheet, baby. Balance sheet. That's it. So, Fix that thing. So, second item, on that point, I mean, unbundling ESCOM like, like the president suggested, I mean, does that, you're right that they don't have money to, to put into enough maintenance, but would that correct things? I don't think it would immediately correct things, would it? It would take a while. No, the, the separation into three different entities on its own does absolutely nothing to fix what's wrong on the ground. What you do need is inject the money, even through a, 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 a private investment, like, like Ron is suggesting. Uh, you, you, but that's not the only thing. Again, uh, you, you need the government to throw in, let's say, 100 billion rand. I've been saying for the past three years, 50 billion rand. But that was three years ago. So if we talk about it again some more, we'll be talking about 200 billion yeah. rand next year. That's sad, yeah. uh, be, because the machines are not waiting. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they keep breaking down. So what needs to be done? Uh, and of course, the lead in business day today, as Pravin Gordon said yesterday, 
all of a sudden we know that ESCOM needs experts. I would have thought we've had enough of the amateurs. Let's get the experts. But in truth, ESCOM has experts. It's, it's the thing about like this is uh, coming back to Godan Ramaphosa. The politicians are rubbish at messaging. Like it's remember when Goldfields brought in Australians to fix uh, their problems and sent them back home because South Africa's been mining for a hundred years. South Africa does actually. I think we have the experts. That, so this is like this, why are you pushing the crisis? Like politicians that, and their messaging but, just really uh, kind of pisses uh, me off that, sometimes. That, that, that's not not expert enough to. Yeah. Um, avoid the, 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 the president emerging shamefaced from the State of the Nation address. Mm. And he says he's shocked and angry. And of course, the immediate response is, well, it's an operational issue. Well, on the one hand, it is an operational issue. On the other hand, to go for the first time, I understand, in our, in our history to stage four load shedding mm. without the president, who's made a big deal about it just three, four days before in parliament, without him, uh, it seems that um, I learned of stage four uh, load shedding at the same time as him. When well, what's, it, what's the point of being president? Exactly. When every single editorial ever written about Sir Ron Paul's term as president started off with the one big thing he has to fix right from the beginning is ESCOM. It's not as if what's happening at ESCOM should be a major surprise to him, do you think, Jana? No, absolutely not. I think it's the, it's the one thing we all should be having sleepless nights over. I mean, every other should plan... Should be having dark nights. You can't... <laughs> <laughs> by candlelight. Um, I mean, every other plan he has hinges on ESCOM working. You're not going to get the foreign investment in. You're not going to get economic growth going. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to create jobs if there's no power. I mean, it's as simple as that. And, and I mean, I feel sorry for Tito, Mbue Tito Mbueni next week who has to miraculously find billions and billions of rand to, to help prop up ESCOM. No, no, hundreds. Hundreds of billions of billions of rand. Yeah. I mean, it was just billions gonna, of second IT's initial it's request. It's going to bankrupt us all. I mean, <laughs> the credit rating agencies must be wringing their hands waiting well, for this thing to, to downgrade us. And, I mean, and now let's, let's recap and remind the viewers about these two power stations. On the 7th of August 2007, a chief executive of ESCOM by the name of Jacob Marucha turned the sword on Medupi in Lipalale and said, in five years' time, we'll be finished. <laughs> that five years was supposed to be in 2012. We are now in 2019. Only half the Medupi power station is complete, but even that, the shoddy work, there's now a, a bill, a repair bill of 8 billion rand that needs to be uh, so we need to find eight billion rand to fix what we've delayed five years and, and, and fulfilled to deliver uh, yeah and and uh in 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 outside wheat bank we were supposed to be finished in 2014 uh, we are now in 2019 and only two units have been connected to the grid and those two units are only operating at a capacity of 60 percent so, Ron, in terms of this, how, how bad does load shedding get from here? For the average person who, who sees Eskom as a name, you know, a name in the, yeah. the utility bills, yeah. but then ultimately <laughs> has to deal with the consequence of this, how yeah. bad is it going to get for people in, in their businesses and homes? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think for big business, the thing about the good thing about Eskom's problems the past 10 years, big business is almost... Uh, Diversified the risk from ESCOM. So I don't think like the, the big miners and so on, you, I don't think they'll cry as much as they would have 10 years ago. So, but for small business, I'm sure there's, there's, a, there's a big hit coming, coming from the fact, like when you go to all these, like I went to Nando's yesterday and they, and they closed for the whole, the entire, basically the whole day. So there are all these small businesses, right? They've all struggled from this. But in terms of big business, I mean, if you look at the mining oh, sector, yes, yeah. The miners will cry definitely. But not, if you have. 
But they have if reduced you have, their use of uh, If of you have 400,000 people down in the mine yes. uh, across all the, the sectors and without warning, mm. ESCOM switches off because it says the stage Sibanye four. has had its own power. You, you've got 100,000 people underground. Uh, you, you, you've got one thing coming. And if we think this is the worst of load shedding, wait until it rains in Pumalanga. Oh, so there's a, there's a, there's a load shedding schedule five? Can we, I mean, that's... We, we'll go all the way to, to, to stage six, but wait until the coal is wet and they cannot burn it. Then you have a really big problem in your hands. I think, I think one of the things, Yana, to me that I think is problematic is the president has been talking in the State of the Nation and at the Mining and Dabba last week about, you know, this, this, this cliched message of we open for business. But it, this illustrates that not only are we not really open for business, but also the president really isn't in control of what's happening. I mean, is that a fair statement to make? Yeah, and I think it, you're not only seeing it on the economy side, you're also seeing it on international relations, for example. You know, it, what a mess, that whole issue around, you know, summoning the, the five, five of our biggest investors um, because somebody got upset that somebody dared make proposals about how we can actually unlock investments in South Africa. So I think, you know, I think he's trying to, to fix so many things at the same time that there are just balls dropping on the floor mm. all over. Um, you know, the health, the presidential health summit, we had feedback yesterday. The president was supposed to be giving it. He didn't arrive or this morning. Um, you know, it's just the, the list of things that he has to do is so long that you probably can't blame him that that a few things are falling through the cracks. But, but really, ESCOM is one of the things that shouldn't be falling through the cracks. And what's happened is that Kasatu, the biggest labor union in this country, has gone on strike today and plans to strike next week in, in Cape Town. Um, Patrick, p part of the issue is ESCOM. But, I mean, in terms of the strike, it's not sort of the, the mass um, impact on the economy that you would have seen, say, 15, 20 years ago, right? Sure. I mean, with much of the economy shut down anyway today, um, you know, it's difficult to notice the sort of incremental increase that there would be with, uh, with uh, Kasatu on strike. And again, underlines the sort of impotence, really, um, that we see demonstrated by, unfortunately, by uh, Kasatu, by the unions. Obviously, again, the, um, uh, the, the, the sort of shutdown or the labor shutdown, uh, the impetus is in the main, as far as I can see, is from the public sector unions. You know, which are already on, on a fairly good deal. Uh, Forefront, Nahawu, Pop Crew. Okay, Norman Sakawu thrown in there. But, um, you know, this is a, uh, to be fair to them, it's a, um, uh, it's a national shutdown over job losses. But again, self-defeating, I would think. I mean, isn't this, uh, you know, in a way sort of leading to even more job losses? with employers sort of scrambling to see, right, how are we going to do without ESCOM? How are we going to do without organized labor? And, you know, and, and, and making plans to, to lessen the reliance mm. on these two uh, sort of unreliable, if you like, sectors. I'm dying to, to, Cause, to, cause, to really... Because, Ron, I mean, as well, <laughs> another thing is that the budget next week is going to announce cuts in terms of public spending, in yeah. terms of what people can spend. The public sector unions are going to have a lot more to complain about soon. I mean, surely 
Where does this end in terms of the disillusionment with, with job cuts? Yeah, I mean, as, as Patrick was saying, Kosatu is more or less a public sector union uh, federation, a workers' federation, given that, that NUMSA is important and NUMSA is more important to, I guess, as common functioning. But, and so going forward, what Tito can do in terms of cutting, cutting jobs in public, that's still beginning to see how they react. But you know what, the funniest thing is when the public sector kind of strikes, the economy just buzzes along. It kind of tells you a lot about us and how we operate with the public sector, that, that Kosato can strike all they want, and the only pool they really have is, is, is in public sector and the, the economy generally. I mean, unions have been, as was, uh, during the break, Sikonati have been broken over the past uh, decade or so. So Jacob Zuma's rule has done what Tabumbeki once dream, dreamed of doing, where actually Kosato is impotent since Avavi left, since he w went out. So as a union, as a strength in the country, I, I don't recall. We don't. No one actually sees Kosato anymore as that powerful but, base it once was. So, so, Yana, I mean, part of the thing is that the, the irony, of course, is that Ramaphosa himself came from the union movement, yeah. and now the unions are protesting what he wants to do and what he already has done. What does this mean in terms of Kosato's kind of support for the ANC in the election, as well as the dynamics around Ramaphosa? Well, they've, they've threatened that they, you know, thinking of withdrawing support for the ANC ahead of the elections. I don't think the ANC really cares. I mean, as, as Ron has just explained, I mean, do we really care what Kusata does anymore? They, they seem to be very insignificant. Um, but to that point, I think um, Business Day, my completely um, biased opinion, has a lovely column in today about the unions. And, and, the, and the point that's made is that, you know, they come with all this noise. Um, it's, it's complaining and protesting against any, everything and anything that's being put on the table. But you're not actually seeing any proposals. Instead of saying, okay, we, we're completely opposed to ESCOM, but this is our plan on how you can fix it. You know, mm -hmm. you, you don't see that. Um, and I think that speaks to a lack of leadership that we're seeing not only in the unions, but really across South African society. You know, I think Almost everyone is in crisis from from the political. Sp I mean, the media industry, the unions. I mean, you you really there's this, there's just this yeah. there's yeah, just this dearth of leadership, and and we're all just kind of dying for some for somebody to have the balls to stand up and and start doing the right things and start doing anything really. We're back yeah. on the balls again. Yeah. Sikhnati, <laughs> Eskom is not allowed to. The, the workers aren't allowed to strike, right? Because they're essential essential workers. And they uh, strike anyway. They strike anyway. I mean, what does this mean for them? Because ESCOM's issue, like, like Ron has said, is debt. So in terms of this, this issue, what can they really do? What can they influence? But, but, but uh, Rob, we, we, we need to do the honorable thing, as, as Ron has suggested. We need to thank Jacob Zuma for, for breaking the back of Kosatu. That's an unusual uh, thing. We, we, we probably will, this is probably the only thing that we'll ever thank him for, for breaking the back of Kosatu. Not necessarily a good thing. I'm not saying it's a great thing, <laughs> yeah. right? That, I would say yeah. that's what he's done. Uh, that's what he's done. Yes. And, and indeed, today, all our, uh, our colleagues here at work, no one uh, has been uh, intimidating uh, from staying out away from the office and everything. So the economy is chugging along. It's the parts that have not been working anyway that are, that, that, that are quiet. Think Home Affairs, for example, or even think ESCOM. Uh, what, what do we do? What was your question? <laughs> what, <do> you do? <laughs> what can workers do about the debt issue? Uh, look, workers uh, don't, unfortunately for them, they never have the problem of providing solutions or making anything work. So they will hop on about everything and nothing and do nothing. And of course, when you graduate from the Patrice Lumumba School of Socialism, there's a university in Russia by that name. 
which teaches socialism. Then you get the people to come and lead trade unions. Uh, shoot, shoot, shoot yourself on both feet and, and hope everything will be, will, will be fine tomorrow. Self-defeating, you're striking for jobs. And guess who's striking for jobs? It's the people who have jobs. Mm. Who's speaking for the jobless people in this country? Absolutely nobody. Yeah, the 37% of people who, who can't get jobs. Yep. Uh, no one speaks for the unemployed people. Uh, you would see, I, I could use another term on, the, on, on TV, but I won't. You would see a whole lot of violence if uh, while the, the people who have jobs are out marching against uh, uh, what they call disinvestment, then uh, the, the people without jobs go and work in their places, then all the strikes would die. So, um, mm. Patrick, to get back to you, mm. to another institution that Jacob Zuma caused a lot of devastation at. Um, Which we're not going thank him for. No, we're not going to thank him for this one. Um, yesterday, Tom Moyani, a former commissioner, lost his, his, his bid to be reinstated to appeal Ramaphosa's firing of him. Is this the end for Tom Moyani? Uh, please say it so. Well, I just, I just wondered to myself how much this must be costing Moyani. I mean, it must be... Um, and apart from personal pride... People and People who visited Dubai in December 2015 yes, don't have to worry about costs. They don't have to worry about the costs. But I would think it's... Uh, I would think it's the end, isn't it? Um, you know, constitutional court. Well, what? Well, what's his next? What's his next step? So, um, Ron, in terms of the shortlist of people, that, there is now a shortlist of people mm. to be to, to be interviewed for the top job of commissioner. Yeah. Um, who's on the list? I mean, and what what do you think of the prospects of that? I mean, are, all of them seem like a obviously a much better bet than Tom Moyani. Yeah, anything better than any, anyone will be better than Tomoyani at this point, which is a scary thing. Anything but Zoom, I think. But uh, I, I haven't seen the, the, the names on the list at, at the moment, so unfortunately I won't be able to. Well, it's guys like names. Mark Kingon, Klingani uh, Matabule, Randall Corellison, Jean Ravele, um, Terence Nombembe is on the list, the former Auditor General. Matabule is definitely not on the list. Okay. He's, he's, a, he's an ex Moyani man. And we got confirmation if, if you read Business Day today. <laughs> you I just read yesterday's one. So, I don't expect to so change every day. Apparently, the, the fact that his name was circulated among SARS, you know, that it was the okay. speculation that he's one of the shortest people, apparently caused quite a bit of anxiety at SARS. Um, he's not a loved figure there, but we, we got confirmation that he's, he's certainly not on the list. So sorry, but continue. And, and in terms of those, those guys, I mean, Yana, what are your thoughts? I mean, Nombembe's got quite a good record. Yeah, I think there's a quite, I mean, like you said, basically everyone on the, on the list certainly would be an improvement. And I think they're all quite a few ex, very senior SARS people. Um, and I think they'll obviously look for, for certain, certain set of skills, people who not only have the institutional knowledge, but would also be able to revive a, a place that's, you know, very down-spirited, I would imagine. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know any of them well enough to be saying, you know, this is who I put my money on. No, Maria Ramos on the list. No, Maria Ramos, thank you very much. Jim uh, Ravelli is one of the very, he's actually the very first person that Jacob Zuma and Tom Moyane went after. Uh, he headed that high-risk unit together with uh, Johan uh, van Lochrenberg. So they, he was Johan's boss. This was the core, uh, the people that brought in about 40% of SARS's revenue every year. And he was hounded out because, of course, he allowed Johann van Lochrenberg to, uh, to, to investigate the tax affairs of people like Jacob Zuma. And, and indeed, uh, what's the, the tobacco company? Three, li, three li yen, uh, 
whatever that there, there was a, a company also called AT Connilinks. Connilinks, and yeah. and there was a company in ATM. which Edward Zuma was uh, was mm. a director. All those guys who uh, whose tax affairs were not in order had friends in the Zuma household and and camp, and then of course you had. Jean Ravelle headed those investigations, and actually, Jean Ravelle is the reason SARS was broken up because he was so good at his job. Okay, so we're going to see a lot of um, just how broken SARS might have been in next week's budget when T. Tumbo, when he stands up in, in Parliament. Um, quickly, guys, we've only got a couple of minutes, but Jana, what do you expect from the budget next week? Any big surprises? I think the big thing that I'll be watching is who gets bailouts and how much and how he actually plans to finance it. Um, I think the, pro the problem is that they've always been promising lots of cuts on spending, but you never see the cuts really being implemented. So mm -hmm. that, is, that is going to be the big problem is where does the money come from to, to help keep helping all these parastatals. Good point. Patrick, do you think there'll be a rise in personal income tax, VAT again? I don't know if they can do that. Whichever way they structure it, Rob, it's going to be more pain. You're going to be paying, you know, whether they, whether they kind of leave the brackets as they are. And, but, uh, you know, at this point, it seems that the hapless middle class working taxpayer seems to be about the only sort of functioning entity in the country. And we can be absolutely confident uh, that this entity will be taxed far more than, uh, they, than it itself ever thought itself capable I of enduring your, your, your tax on your spirits. I've, personally, I'm not, no. Uh, and, and Ron, in terms of, you know, do, do you think there'll be, be a sovereign wealth fund, for example? Do you think there'll be anything new on land? Uh, any, any idea of how that's going to be funded? Given that it's Tito Mboweni speaking, no. But those are all wishy-washy things. Mboweni isn't, if it was Gigab, oh, yeah, hell yeah. He'd be talking about sovereign wealth funds and all these future As well as his great suits. And great suits, right? So, yeah. Mboweni's realist. <laughs> He'll come out and... 100 billion rand for ESCOM, there will be an announcement. I think debt to GDP will rise slightly. Uh, but there'll be some realism. I, I mean, we have someone there who actually, you know, when I've seen Bowen talk, he's like, he doesn't really care about where his state is in the party. So I think someone, a, a very realist budget, but he will come with the 100 billion rand uh, injection for ESCOM. He can't, he can't mm. push it off, can't delay it. So we will have that figure. And, just, and we'll know, and it's borrowing, right? There's no way mm. else to go for this thing at the moment. So... When there will be that day. Second idea, last word, 100 billion rand for ESCOM. It's not going to fix it, is it? No, it's not. Uh, but there's ESCOM, SABC, Denel, South African Airways, Post Office, and, and, and. So the only cut you don't want to miss is that man's cut there. Uh, Mboweni has no... I don't know where he's going to get the money. Okay, well, that's a cut from us. So join us next week when we'll talk about what actually did happen in the budget. So our special edition next week will be going live in the evening. Um, and thanks for watching.